God has to be the highest priority in every single person's life. In the area of your love, in the area of our finances, in the area of your future plans, in the area of your friendships, God needs to be the highest priority. Let's turn to Haggai. Haggai chapter number one, four to seven is where we took off. I titled this message, Consider Your Ways, taken out of the last part of the verse number seven. Now, it needs to be said, it is no waste of time when you decide to invest in church. The historical background, if you read through the book of Haggai, is that it was written after a time period where the Jews were returning back to Israel. If you remember, there was a time when they were taken in to Babylon, that big empire. Israelites had lost their city of Jerusalem, where the temple was as well. Now, if you remember also, if you were an Israelite and you wanted to worship God, you went to the temple, right? So they'd lost their temple. They couldn't worship God in Babylon either. And because their worship to God required a temple, they weren't able to worship. It was finally the king of Persia, if you look at the first verse there, in the second year of Darius. It was that king of Persia that allowed them to return back to their land, finally leaving exile. They could finally come back to their own land. And they allowed him to return to their land. And there were these three waves of Jews that came from Babylon. In the first wave, Haggai was one of the prophets that came from Babylon. Now, this was the first group that returned, and they knew that they had to start rebuilding the temple, right? After all, Israel's whole livelihood, the description of Israel requires God in it. They are defined by their worship to God. So they knew that they had to start rebuilding the temple eventually. And usually when the temple was being rebuilt, the first thing that would always be rebuilt was that brazen altar because sacrifices needed to be made to God. The rebuilding began with the brazen altar where the sacrifices were to be made. At least that was the plan. But while the rebuilding was taking place, also remember, whenever you try to do something for God, there's always going to be opposition. Every time. There's the world, there's your own flesh telling you that's going to be awkward, and then there's a devil as well, wanting to stop you every single time that you want to worship and do something for God. Now, this was God's call for the Israelites to do. You need to build the temple. You need to start building this to worship me. That was the whole reason you exist, to worship me. That was God's plan for them. But then in verse 7, look at the last part. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. What does that word mean, consider? We may have a definition today, but in Bible times, the term consider means to fix your mind on or to meditate or to reflect on. 
Sometimes we lay in bed late at night, we consider our worries, we consider our problems in our lives. Well, consider. Let's take a look at the problems that Haggai was trying to outline. Consider these problems. The problems that these people had were compounding on each other. Haggai is pointing out, guys, you guys have a problem. And you don't even understand how bad of a problem it is because the one problem is building on each other. That's what a compounding problem is. So we're going to have to take a look at these problems that God was telling to the Jews to consider. But first, we'll open up in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for everyone that is here. I thank you, Lord, for filling this house. And I pray, Father, for those that are still on their way, but also, Father, that you would work on everyone's heart, even my heart. And Lord, I pray that it wouldn't be my own words that would be coming out of my mouth, but it would be the Holy Spirit speaking through me. I pray, Lord, that everyone's hearts would be stirred towards the gospel, towards Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit would draw closer, draw people closer to you than ever before. I thank you and praise you, Lord. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, the first compounding problem was the people disobeyed God. The people didn't want to listen to God's word, and they despised the word of God. The word despise means to look down upon. We see a slug on the ground, we look down upon it, right? That's despising. So they despised the word of God. They were looking down upon it. They didn't care too much about it. And almost not taking note of it, and essentially, this brought about an attitude of indifference. Look at Haggai, verse number 2. Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say, The time is not yet come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. The people knew what they needed to get done. God obviously needed this house built, this building, this temple to worship Him in. How else would they worship God? They themselves knew that they couldn't worship God properly without, uh, without this house of God being built. They knew back even in Babylon when they were in exile, when there was no temple, hey, we need to worship God somehow, but we can't. We're in Babylon right now. But, you know, maybe they were making plans. One day when we get to our own land, we will worship God again. But now they're in the promised land and the capital city of Jerusalem itself but being in the capital city was that dead giveaway. They ought to get work done. So what was the problem? Well, they were backslidden. They neglected to do what God asked them to do. They pushed it off thinking, ah, we'll come back to it later. It was as if they were saying, it's not yet God's timing. So let me ask you this. Do you have the no need to rush to obey God mentality? Do we have a no need to rush to obey God? Look at what the Israelites said again at the end of verse number 2. The time is not come. The time that the Lord's house should be built. Many Christians in our world today are seeking God's will but are not even willing to do 
which God had already commanded. Many feel that jobs at church are too meager and not worth their time. So we need to ask ourselves, have we done all that we can to do God's will? Today, many Christians don't do God's will because they feel the time is not right. Uh, We could wait on it. But God is asking, why wait when God had already told you what needs to get done? Now, parents, when you tell your children to do something, you expect them to get it done right away. Why should there be any delay? Amen? When employers ask their employees to do something, it ought to get done right away. Amen? So there are plenty of different problems that came upon Israel because they disobeyed God. One being that Israel was invaded by enemy nations and were put into slavery on a constant basis. And this cycle just continued and continued. Every time they were in slavery, they would call back on God to deliver them. And then God would deliver them. And then they would disobey again. And then the cycle just keeps repeating and repeating. And throughout your Bible, especially your Old Testament, that's what happened with Israel. So in the end, ladies and gentlemen, the commandment they broke is the greatest commandment of all. What is the greatest commandment of all? Let's turn to Matthew. Matthew chapter number 22. Matthew 22, verse 36 to 38. And this is a question that was asked to Jesus. Look at verse 35 first. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? And verse 37, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. So, therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So delayed obedience, ladies and gentlemen, is disobedience. That's the first problem that was a beginning this compounding issue. The next problem was the people had misplaced their priorities. Now turn back to Haggai and look at verse 4. They placed themselves above God. They preferred to do that which was right in their own heart rather than that which God had told them to do. And look at verse number 4. Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lie waste? Remember what happened. Babylon had destroyed everything, including the temple of God. The temple of God laid in ruin. Now what the Israelites were doing was they were building their own homes, but then the whole definition of who Israel was was based on God. But look at the temple. It laid in waste. I'm sure you've seen ruins of older nations. 
the temple of God laid in waste while everyone else's houses were beautiful. In fact, the word ceiling, when they're sealing their homes, means they were paneling it. They were beautifying the homes. That means the roof was already up. Now they were just putting little tiny details to make it look pretty. But the house of God was completely in ruin. They delayed in obeying God, and then they placed themselves higher in their priority than God. And this is the compounding problem. So listen carefully. There are two things that happen to us Christians when we put higher priorities on things or ourselves rather than on God. So here's the problem number one. Spiritual indifference takes place. What is that? We neglect doing what God tells us to do, and there will be a cooling of our heart. The things of God will feel routine. Yeah, I go to church. Yeah, you know, I just attend. And then I leave church. Then I go home. And then I go to church next week. And yeah, so on and so forth. It's a routine now. And then number two, forming the habit of disobedience. It's the worst state for the Christian to find themselves in because in this state, it's where you start thinking, I know I'm not where I, sh where I should be in my Christian life. But they won't make a single effort to fix it. We have an example of this in a man named King Saul. Let's turn, keep your finger in Haggai, but turn to 1 Samuel 15. 1 Samuel 15. In 1 Samuel 15 and verse 1, we see Samuel, well, let's read it here. 1 Samuel 15, verse 1, it says, Samuel also said unto Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore hearken thou unto the voice of the words of the Lord. Now skip over to verse number 3 here. Now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and spare them not, but slay both man and women, uh, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass. And then verse 8. And he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. Now, let me pause for a moment. Did Saul obey God? No. Because God asked everything to be destroyed. Nothing to be kept alive. So, verse 8, and he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive. Okay, let's skip over to verse number 10. Then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel, saying, It repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king, for he is turned back from following me and hath not performed my commandments, and it grieved Samuel. And he cried unto the Lord all night. 
And when Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning, it was told Samuel, saying, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he set him up a place, and is gone about, and passed on, and gone down to Gilgal. Samuel came to Saul. Saul said unto him, Blessed be thou of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Did he? Did Saul? No. Verse 14, And Samuel said, What meaneth then this bleeding of the sheep in mine ears, and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? And verse 15 here, And Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. So, bottom line here, Everything Saul did was to look good in front of the people. He had completely disobeyed God. How Saul looked mattered more to Saul than prioritizing what God had said. If you were in Sunday school, we talked about Aaron. Aaron built a golden calf to please the people, even though he fully knew he was disobeying God. Folks, God should be the highest priority in everyone's life. Say amen. It's not your friends. It's not your family. It's not fame. It's not money. It's not your employers. It's not the pleasures of life. It's not ourselves. It's not anything. God, the highest on our list, God has to be the highest priority in every single person's life. In the area of your love, in the area of our finances, in the area of your future plans, in the area of your friendships, God needs to be the highest priority. Seek to be godly and make God your priority. Don't seek to look good. So this was the issue that these people were facing. They first disobeyed God, and then they had the wrong priorities in life. And now this compounding issue is getting worse and worse and worse, and we get to the third compounding problem here. The people were investing in the wrong things. And this was bound to happen. The way of this world is miserable, and it's ultimately pointless. Especially if you call yourself a Christian, this world is not your home. The issue is that Israelites, they were ignoring God and they were focusing on themselves. Those were the two first compounding issues. And then because of this, blessings that they normally would have had, they were missing out on. They were missing out on it. Things that should have worked, they weren't working anymore. Look at verse number 6. Things that should have worked didn't work anymore. Remember, these guys were a new generation of people, a new generation of Jews that just left Babylon. They're about to build everything, but they focused on their homes rather than the house of God. The temple was the place where they had to make their sacrifices in order to worship God, but they instead focused on beautifying themselves, beautifying their own homes, ignoring God completely. God, through Haggai, explains... What was the reason behind the curse that now they were going through? What was that curse? Things that should have worked 
just don't work anymore. Look at verse number six. Ye have sown much and bring in little. Ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but ye are not filled with drink. Ye clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages earneth wages to put it into a bag with holes. Imagine for a moment, if you were a farmer, you planted and you sowed seed, and at the harvest time, you're hoping, you're expecting growth. You're expecting your corn. Except there was no corn. You did everything in your power. You fertilized the soil. You let sunlight in. You took care of it. You did it exactly as the handbook told you to do it. Except there's no crops. Imagine eating, going to buffet and eating. But no matter how much you ate, it didn't fill you up. Now, some of you may think, oh, that's a great feeling. <laughs> Imagine drinking. You were thirsty and you drank. And you kept drinking and drinking and drinking. But the drink, your water, never quenched. You still remain thirsty. Imagine wearing clothes, especially during winter time. And hoping these clothes are going to keep you warm. You knew. They advertised them as if they were going to be warm. You bought them. Now you're hoping that they will keep you warm through the winter. But then somehow, in some way, these clothes weren't keeping you warm. Imagine earning wages, but losing it all to debt. I don't think you have to imagine sometimes. <laughs> Living from payment to payment to payment. This was the curse that God put on them because from problem to problem and now finally another compounding problem. The Israelites had not obeyed God's word. That was the foundational issue. And they prioritized themselves then. And because they didn't see God's blessings, they eventually decided to manufacture blessings. What do I mean by manufacturing blessings? Because they were beautifying their homes instead of obeying God and building God's house. On the outside, they made their houses look pretty to show everyone that they were all right. But deep down, their finances were in ruin. They were hungry. They were thirsty. Their work was disappointing. And things were just falling apart. Things were falling apart. Those were partial warning signs to show that they had made a mistake. And Haggai was here warning them, guys, build the house. Obey God. Just do it. These warnings, they were not considered. They only considered themselves. And once God is out of the picture, they started to consider the way of the world. The wisdom of the world made more sense to these Israelites than what God had told them. Ever felt like your flesh comes up with all kinds of excuses, right? Your mind is good at justifying sin sometimes. Sometimes you may think, I have no time to, go, uh, to give to God. 
I got things to do and I have deadlines to meet. I can't, I can't come to church. I can't afford to tithe or give to God. I have bills to pay and I have debts to pay back. Bible college isn't something I feel would be good in my life. Uh, I think I learn enough from church anyway. I'm not called to full-time ministry. That's the pastor's job. Uh, others can, do, uh, can go serve in the church anyway. This is how the world thinks. 1 Corinthians 3.19 says, For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, He that taketh the wise in their own craftiness. Remember that this world is not our home. We're just passing through. Our treasures are supposed to be laid up in heaven. Our investments are not to be short-sighted to last just this world. Look at verse number 8 in Haggai. Verse number 8. God is showing the remedy. Go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the house. And I will take pleasure in it and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. Folks, it's important to build your priorities and schedules around church events. It's important to build your priorities and schedules around what God wants you to do. Consider investing your time in coming out for flyering or for soul winning. Make God the object of your affection. That is when God will take pleasure in your life and be glorified. So I'm going to conclude. Haggai was speaking to a new generation of Jews at the time of his sermon. This is a whole sermon, by the way. The whole book of Haggai is a sermon. Churches are more and more changing from what they used to be. Some churches are looking less and less like churches and more and more like social clubs. In fact, many analysts and statisticians believe that the modern generation will bring about the death of the church. Deseret News and Maris Poe did a survey on the state of the American church life. They found that only 21% of the modern generation actually go to church. 21%, that's just about a fifth. A fifth of the modern generation. I was talking with a pastor recently, and he was talking about things he saw in his own church and the differences that he noticed in the generations that have passed through. He said that when he was a teenager and an older pastor would talk about something getting done in church, or if there was a new ministry opportunity, all the teens, all the young adults would get up and be wanting to help as much as they can in that ministry. They wanted to be a part of it. But today, that same pastor talks about needing, when he talks about needing help in a ministry or needing to do something, he said the new generation just looks around and sees if others will do it. So, what we've noticed is that in the last six years, amongst Baptist churches, there's been 25 churches that have closed their doors. 
25 churches have closed down. In Canada, that is. Therefore, I want to charge you, make God the priority in your life. Make church attendance your highest priority in a week. No one, including your neighbors, should try to guess where you are on a Sunday. Always try to attend a good church when you even go on vacation. His honor should be your priority. So make it a habit to surround yourself with Scripture. On social media, we share a lot of things. Why don't you share Scripture? Share testimonies of God, how God has been good to you, how He has come through in your life. And then serve others as well. Prioritize that as well. Find a ministry in church and be faithful to do it. Use your talents to promote godliness, to promote a dedicated life to God. You know this world, it doesn't need more people that are promoting idols that they see on TV. This world doesn't need more people to promote some new product that will revolutionize the world. They need to see Christians who actually live the way God says to live. Haggai was giving the people of his day a warning to compare everything that had taken place in their life and to consider their ways. So look at verse 9, one last time. Haggai, verse number 9, chapter 1, verse 9. Ye looked for much, and lo, it came to little. And when ye brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why, saith the Lord of hosts, because of mine house that is waste, and ye run every man unto his own house. God wants to bless his people. That's the bottom line. Jeremiah 29, verse 11 to 13. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall ye call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. And ye shall seek me and find me, when ye shall search for me with all your heart. What was the greatest commandment again? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart. It's a matter of your heart. It's a matter of your heart. Where is God in your life today? Is he far or is he near? Are you building your own house? And are you putting very little priority on God? Is God's house laying waste right now? It's time to consider our ways. The word consider means to meditate, to think upon. Let's stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.